awake. I think you are now. The blood probably uh, pumping a little bit. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at the movie World War Z and looking at the cure. Over the past few weeks we've been launching and going through the series called Box Office Wisdom, which pulls out uh, kind of the, the summer hits of what Hollywood has produced over the last few months. And we're pulling out the themes of what are they saying about life? What are they saying about relationships? What are they saying about just how life works in general? And what we're doing is we're taking those themes and looking at, well, what, what does the Bible have to say about those very issues? What does the Bible have to say about how life works? And as you experience art, uh, like the movies or music or anything that in the culture you experience, there's a part that it resonates with us. And while we're not promoting these movies, what we are doing is take an opportunity to look at what does this movie say and how does it speak to something that resonates to us? And like any piece of art, it's good to kind of check that, especially if you're a Christ follower and think, well, does that line up with what God has said is true? Uh, Is that real? Is that really how it works according to God? And what we're doing is, is we're kind of taking the themes and looking at what the Bible has to say and, and does that really stand up? under the scriptures in the truth of it. And so we hope that uh, even if you've not seen this movie, I saw it yesterday, even if you've not seen it, that the theme in it, you can kind of relate to. And so we're going to be uh, spending some time talking about a topic that I can honestly say I've never really researched or spoke on ever in a message. And that's the idea of zombies. And if you're wondering the Z in World War Z, that's what it stands for. Zombies, just in case you didn't know. And uh, you might have been able to tell from the movie, there seems like there's weird characters moving very quickly and up to no good. That's the zombies at work. And as I was digging in and doing some research, I came to realize that there is this world of zombie fascination that exists right now that's really increased over the last 10 to 15 years. It's like super popular. So before I kind of jump into the culture and zombies, I want to just to briefly summarize the movie so you have an idea of what the movie's about. Uh, Brad Pitt that you just saw there in the trailer uh, is a former U.N. worker who is called upon as this pandemic of crazy people come. And he's given this job of, you know, you need to find a solution to this problem. Uh, And no easy task. Someone comes to you and says, hey, humanity is in the balance. We need you. Uh, you. You tend to say, "Okay." And there's this whole part of this movie where he's wanting to protect his family. And at the same time, he's wanting to help humanity. And it's really around this theme of this zombie apocalypse. And so throughout the movie, uh, he's trying to figure out what can the world do to survive. And at the same time, what does he need to do as a father to help his family survive as well? So it's very fascinating. And as I was doing research for this, this idea of this zombie world that exists, I came across stuff that like I never I never knew. Uh, In fact, there is in the culture. There's so many popular things related to movies. The last few years, you can see just zombie after zombie movie. In fact, uh, some of the most popular TV shows right now, you've got The Walking Dead, a huge uh, popular show. You have even parodies on zombies, The Shaun of the Dead. Uh, You have the Dawn of the Dead classic. All these things that throughout the years have kind of talked about and looked at this idea of zombies. And so I dug a little further, like, what? Why is this so popular? Why are people so interested? And then I came across some pictures that I want to show you, which I thought were fascinating. Like if you're driving and you see this first picture, that, that's not just like road work ahead. That's like maybe turn around. Okay. But if you don't want to turn around, this pic, next picture is helpful too. The zombie survival guide, complete protection from the living dead. Who knew? The next one, 
Zombie Research Society lifetime member. I like the fact that they crossed out the numbers, you know, just in case you might want to steal their membership to the Zombie Research Society. So I dug in and I'm like, think this is, there's a point in which you look at all this stuff and you start to think like, is this real? Like, do people really think that this, it's just, it's in our culture. It's so popular. Everywhere you go, there's like zombie t-shirts. Uh, zombies don't like fast food. I was just re- looking at that yesterday and all these crazy things. I'm like, this is, there's this whole crazy thing of zombies that I just kind of got exposed to. And this movie is actually based on a book that was really popular. And Brad Pitt himself wanted to make a zombie movie for his sons. It's like, you know, I'm going to give my sons just this great story. Let's do it about zombies. So it's, it's important. It's important to, to a lot of people. Uh, there's even just, this is like free information, okay? You don't have to write this down, but there's even humans versus zombie competitions at college campuses. Did you know that? Like you, you, it's like a week long where if you have like the red armband, you're, you're like a zombie. If you have the blue, you're a human. And people have won these competitions from like not leaving their dorm room for an entire week. I'm serious. Like this is real. When there's zombie week, your studies don't matter. It's survival. And this stuff's real. There's even cars that are marketed as they have good protection for zombies. I'm serious. Like actual car companies paid to market that in a certain way. This thing is, is real. People are spending money on marketing the, the masses. And so as I was looking at these, it just begs the question, like, what is this that just is resonating with people? And so I started to kind of think just in my own life, what, what, what would draw me to, to be interested in this idea of this world of zombies and this picture of the living dead? And part of it was, you know, anytime you look at a zombie movie or you see these characters and then you look at your own life and the problems you have, your life doesn't seem that bad, right? Like you're alive and your life's actually pretty good. You may have had some tough challenges. You may be experiencing some difficult things. But when you look at a zombie apocalypse and just how they look, even if you're having a bad hair day, you're not a zombie, right? So just the just blank slate, your life's not that bad compared to a zombie. So just part of it was just even as negative as it could be, you could look at this zombie world and think, well... It could be that. But I also think there's something even deeper going on. And there's this part of us that something resonates that that, that problem and the pain and just this devouring that, that we, we've experienced in life. In zombie world, they want to devour humans. That's, that's all they live for. They want to devour humans. And you have to outsmart them. And most of the time, humans can outsmart zombies. That's part of this whole genre. But in real life, there's also devouring that goes on in our relationships. We've been burned by people in our past. We experience trouble in our work for the people that treat us a certain way. And it feels like sometimes in this dog-eat-dog world, as we describe it, there's this part where we devour each other. And so I think part of it is kind of a picture of a common experience that we have of problems and of pain and suffering. And, And this kind of zombie genre kind of takes it to the extreme, maximizes it, and creates a picture of like, this is what the world is. This is what the experiences are. And I'm not fearful of a zombie apocalypse. Even through my research, like I didn't buy the t-shirt or the lifetime membership. But I can relate to this idea of trouble and pain and just that feeling of, man, it just seems like life is just 
bunch of relationships that just seem like they just don't work out. And there's just all this pain and suffering that exists. And it just kind of leaves you with this taste in your mouth. Like, is there something, is there something more? And just like we've done every week, then we, we really want to look at not just what is this movie saying, but is there something about this topic that, that the Bible actually speaks to that kind of brings something into a new, new light? And so I want to shift gears, move from this zombie fascination to maybe the pain and the problems and the suffering that we resonate with and dig into what does the Bible have to say about that? And so if you're, you've been investigating Christianity and you're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian or a follower of Christ, this is like a big picture message. It's going to look at maybe some of the things that you've experienced in life, maybe part of the, the, the problems, maybe part of the pain, maybe just the discontentment. And the Bible is going to speak to why that is. And so we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the problem. We're going to look at the cure. And then we're going to look at our response to that. And the good thing about the Bible is it actually speaks to the problems that we experience in life. It doesn't leave us guessing. It doesn't leave us looking for answers in some other place. It actually gives us here is the truth. Here is what's really going on. Here is what is real. And we each have a choice of what we do with that. And so I want to spend the rest of the message looking at what the Bible says in relationship to this picture of this devouring experience and this pain that we, we, ex, we experience in life. And so to do that, I want to dig into the problem as described in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. I want to read this. You can follow along on the screen. You can also follow along in your outline. It says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So zombies capitalize on this picture of the living dead. The Bible actually talks about, in a spiritual sense, we are all born the living dead. We're all alive. We're all here breathing right now. And I'm not going to look at any of you and say, you might be a zombie. But in the spiritual sense, moving beyond just this physical idea, in the spiritual sense, we are actually all, we were all dead. That's what the Bible is describing. You may ask, well, how can that be? How can I be living but be dead? Well, it actually happened at the beginning of time when God created the first man and woman. They decided to go their own way. They didn't want God to be boss of them. They wanted to be boss of themselves to make their own decisions. And when they did that, they chose sin. That's the picture of sin. It's going your own way, deciding that you're going to be boss. And because of that, just like a zombie bite infects the person, sin infects our entire being. And because the first man and woman did it, all of humanity were infected with sin. And as you dig into the Bible, the picture of sin is death. And so spiritually, all of us experience this death. It's not what God had intended, but because of our choices, that's the life in which we're born into. And so we're born with this just reality of we are dead spiritually. And I want to unpack some different parts of this passage that I just read. Here's some key phrases from it. Following the course of this world. That's what sin does. It causes us to follow this course of the world. And rather than living God's way, doing his will, 
uh, we, we want to follow the world system. There's a part of the world system that's very appealing to us. Uh, it's ideas, it's beliefs, it's values, it's goals, it's role models, it's methods, it's rewards, the lifestyles. The world flows in actually the opposite direction that God intended. And the next part explains why. Because the world and ourselves through sin, as Ephesians says, we're following the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. This is the picture of the enemy, Satan, the devil. And he is really managing the world. He has control of the world and all of its systems and all its values. And when the first man and woman and when each of us chose to go our own way, we decided that we were going to be a part of the system. There's a part of this world system which really just appeals to the desires that we have. Each of us. There's just a part of us that we, we want to keep up with the values. And so we strive after numerous things. And Satan has gained influence over the world. And, and as we follow the world and as we're infected with sin, we're part of the system that he, he's over. And then there's the, the third picture of the passage in Ephesians. It says... We once lived in the passions of our flesh. The reason the world is so appealing and those values and that structure and everything in it is because there's a part of us which is called the flesh, which is our sin nature. That's the infection. Our spiritual death is kind of lived out through the passions of this flesh, the strategies to get what we want. We all have this in us. We want what we want. And we're going to think of all the ways to get what we want. And if people get in our way, we want to get around them. If they can't be moved, we want to go through them. Now, that's where you can begin to see some of this devouring that you can see in this zombie world. The infection of sin pushes us to devour the people that block our goals and our strategies. And we're so passionate with the flesh and getting what we want that... We can experience this. We can treat people like this and we can be treated like this. So this is what this Bible says. This is the spiritual reality of of death because of sin. A friend sent a blog this past week, which looked at even more of this zombie idea. And I want to share some other thoughts that kind of dig a little bit more into how the zombie world is connected somewhat to the spiritual death that I just described in the book of Ephesians. Uh, in, In the article, it points out, that, that zombies kind of represent what all of us can easily become. Uh, like zombies are a metaphor for uh, the fact that humans can become less than human as they really pursue what they want. You may have seen that. As people are after power, as people are after money, prestige, success, they will pursue whatever they want at the cost of others. So it's almost like, are they, do they know there's other people? Are they... What is wrong with them? You find yourself saying things like that or in your own self as you see the way you react and you just somebody makes you mad. Well, there's a picture of us that there's that that spiritual just death because we want what we want. There's a, a line in kind of probably the most famous movie, The Dawn of the Dead. This was kind of the movie that started really the momentum of this zombie genre. And there's a, a line which it's kind of funny. But it has a lot of truth to it. And they're being chased by zombies. And one guy in the midst of this chase says to the other guy, what are they? Like, what? What are these things? And his answer is, they're us. 
That's all. And as you're running, you're really, no, I don't think they're us. Because I'm running from him. He's not running from me. But that's the picture. You see, the movie got this. There's a picture of like, that's us. We're, we're kind of one step from that. Just this devouring and just running over people, wanting to destroy what's in our path. Uh, Philip Larkin, the poet, said this. Life is slow dying. Zombies represent the slow but inevitable approach of death. They don't need to move fast because they know that they'll get you in the end. So even zombies have this idea of it's life, but you're kind of slowing, slowly dying. You're not really living. You're slowly dying. Now, isn't that like one of the most inspirational quotes ever? It's not life. It's just slow death. But there's a part as, as you look at the world and the experience that you may have. And there's just like, oh, when is this thing going to be over? So this problem we, we can all relate to. And a lot of times they talk about the zombie apocalypse it's this pandemic it's going to overtake the world the thing is as you look in the spiritual sense as you correlate that to sin sin actually is a pandemic it affects every single human that has ever lived and that ever will live if you want to talk about a pandemic of death spiritual death that's what sin is because of the choices each of us have made so that's the problem well, what does the scriptures have to say about the cure in, in the movie? A lot of the movies spent talking about, well, how do we overcome this problem? No movie is ever good if it just has a problem and then it just the credits roll. Like, enjoy your popcorn, but this is it. This is the problem. And if you're a person that love like happy endings, you definitely want to see some sort of resolve to the problem. Well, in this movie, they're, they're trying to figure out, well, how do we how do we survive Is there a way to save these zombies that exist? And so curing the problem is crucial in any zombie movie. And the Bible actually speaks to this as well. While the spiritual reality of sin is real and it leads to death. God, because of his love for us, did not leave us with the problem alone. He gave us actually a cure. And in Ephesians 2, the next few verses talk about that as well. But God, that's where you have hope. Here's your problem. Here's everything that you may experience. The passions of your flesh. Following the world and all its values. And you're just running after it. And you're trying to grasp these goals. And you can't do it. And you just feel hopeless. But there's hope in those two words. But God. Being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses is sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is the picture of the hope that God has given. Although we are dead spiritually because of sin God because of his mercy and his grace has given us Jesus Christ as the cure so this idea of rich in mercy but God who's rich in mercy it it means that you don't get the punishment you deserve although sin and the choices we have made lead to death God is saying you do not have to have it 
You do not have to have an eternal death. I can actually give you eternal life. And this picture of rich in mercy, it's like this treasure chest of mercy that it does not run out. There's not a finite limit to the mercy that God gives. It's unlimited. And he pours it out. No matter what you've done, you're not too far from the reaches of this mercy and grace. Then it goes on by grace that you have been saved. Despite the problem, despite the sin, by grace. Mercy, you don't get the punishment you deserve. Grace, you can receive a gift that you've not earned. So it's not that you just, you you don't get the punishment. That's mercy. But it's this idea of you actually get the grace, which is you get something. You get a gift. And that's in the person of Jesus Christ. By grace that you have been saved. And so God, in his grace, has offered us a cure for the sin pandemic. Many times as people talk about this idea of sin, they, they look at and they show a picture of this canyon. And because of sin, we're in this canyon and God's on the other side. And because of the choices, we, we just, there's just this bottomless pit. And there's no way in ourselves that we can jump from this side of the canyon to where God is. Because we're dead. In a zombie movie, they're not athletic. They're not. They're just kind of like ragamuffin people that just are just chasing after the prey. And they're portrayed as kind of silly, not that intelligent. So they're not athletic. They, they can't really bridge the gaps that are created in a lot of movies. The same is true for us. Because of our sin, we can't earn the bridge across the canyon. There's nothing that we can do to earn the favor because we're dead. We're spiritually dead in the movie, not to give it away, but I kind of am. So if you want to see it, plug your ears, listen to the recording later. But in the movie, they, they, they kind of, is everyone good? Okay. See ears plugged. Okay. It's like the sport tracker. Don't see the scores. Um, in the movie, they're, they're looking at this idea of, well, how do we cure? And it, they come to this point, like there is no cure. The people who are infected cannot be cured. Well, then what do we do? How do we survive? Well, you can survive by, by running. And they, they look at this idea of you, you need to become camouflaged from the zombies. If you can become camouflaged, they can't see you. If they can't see you, they can't get you. And maybe you can run and maybe you can fight and maybe you'll outlast them. But there's no cure. There's just camouflage. Same is true for us. We've made choices and we try to earn and we try to camouflage the problem. And so we try to earn our way by doing good things, by chasing after the things that we, we see as important. Like if I just do this, then I'm going to be good enough. Or if I just have this relationship, this is going to be what I need to get me to that next phase of my life. And we camouflage the problem of sin. We try to earn it. We cannot earn it. We can't camouflage it. We need the cure. This idea is we don't need resuscitation. You can't bring us back to life. We actually need a resurrection. We don't need resuscitation. We need a resurrection. That's what God does. So busyness doesn't help us. Striving for our own good and our own purposes, it doesn't help us. Good works, there's nothing that we can do. We need Jesus Christ. We need to be resurrected. And we all have our own attempts at how to deal with the infection. The Bible is saying it comes through Jesus Christ. He is the cure. 
It's not by your own works. It's not by your own camouflages for the things that you've done. It's only through the person of of Jesus Christ. He will resurrect you. He will bring you to new life. Now, religion, a lot of times, is is an attempt to jump the canyon that exists because of sin on our own power. What do we have to do to be right with God? What are the things that we have to do? What are the rules? I'll follow them. What are the things I'm supposed to say? I'll say them. What are the things I'm supposed to do? I'll do them. If we follow the rules, we think we're going to be okay. Christianity is actually not about a religion, but about a relationship. That's where the new life begins. As you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and decide that even though sin has made you dead and you've gone your own way, this picture is as you're going and you're going and you just realize that this is not the life that you want. The picture of turning your life over to Jesus Christ is this U-turn where you admit before God that I can't earn favor. I cannot build a bridge of the canyon. And you, you decide to turn around and begin to go God's way. So you accept the gift that God gives you. And that is the grace, the gift of Jesus Christ. So we don't need to be resuscitated. He can't bring us back to life by the things that we do. We actually need to be resurrected. And that can only happen through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the only one that has the power to do that. He did it himself. So that's the new life. When the scriptures talk about a new life in Christ or being born again, if you've ever heard that phrase, that's the picture. Spiritually, we're dead. But in him, we're made alive. That's the hope that that we have. No matter what you've done, you can be made alive in Christ. And the last part says, and God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This idea of you're raised from the dead. There's no camouflage. There is a cure. So what's our response? The next few verses talk about it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you want to experience this new life, this new eternal life, and this new hopeful life, it begins by accepting the gift that God has graciously offered faith, but through faith, believing that God is who he says he is. Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He rose again. He paid the price for our sin on the cross. And you, you believe that he is who he said he was. You accept that gift that God graciously offers. It also means that you trust completely that he can lead you and that you'll follow him. There's this idea of whatever God tells you to do, you're, you're willing to do it. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of unlearning this worldly system and the values and the things that are really important to us. The new life is we begin to make choices based on the new value and the new life that we have. And as we do that, our life begins to change. That's the, the other picture. That is walking in the good works that God has prepared us to do. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you could do 
to bridge the canyon. But actually, as you decide that you can't earn it and that you, you don't really have anything to offer God because you're dead spiritually. As you begin to follow him, he transforms you and your life actually makes a difference. So each of us have a certain set of responses as people relate to us. And they can mirror some of this devouring that we experience when someone wrongs you. They say something rude. There's that part in you where you just want to let them have it. A new life in Christ as you experience his grace instead of letting them have it. You, you just you don't say anything. You let it go. If someone they need help, there's a party. Well, oh, I, I want to help, but this is going to cost me. I, I got all this work I got to do. I got to get home for this. I have a meeting early tomorrow morning. There's a part where other people's goals and my goals. Well, this this new life of Christ, what he does is he begins to show you the value of people over your own priorities. You begin to make different choices. It's not those choices that bring you to God. It's the fact that once you are with God, he leads you to these new choices. That's the new life in Christ. Once you're cured, your life begins to take shape. And you still battle. And it's still a fight. And it's still a struggle. We're going to have some of that struggle with sin the rest of our life. But it's this picture of, as we do life God's way, things begin to look differently. Instead of trying to devour the people in my life and get them to work on my goals and my agenda, I actually consider their goals, their agenda. With my kids, instead of thinking what they need to do to make me happy, I actually look and say, well, what, how can I help them? Who are the kind of people that God wants them to be? And what do I need to do to sacrifice to bring that to pass at work, in your projects? Kind of realize that maybe your, your deadline, all that you're having, you're putting this pressure on this team to just do what you want to do. And everyone needs to get in line so we can accomplish this. You begin to take a step back and look at what's going on. What are people experiencing? What are people going through? Do people need help? Can you be a help to somebody at work? And this is the new life. Things begin to look differently. You're not just seeing life as like, well, it's a slow death. Just don't get in my way. To actually your life can be a blessing to those around you. And actually God uses those choices to bless you as well. So this is the picture of hell and hope that we have. Despite our choices, despite the pandemic of sin, through Jesus Christ and the grace and mercy he's given us, we can choose a different life. We can choose to move from death to life. This is the cure that we have. Another part of what God does, like in any zombie movie, if you have the cure, do you want to just put yourself in your own house and just, well, I hope everyone's okay out there. Lock the doors, close the windows. I hope I have enough. Well, I'm cured. I guess I'm good. No, if you have the cure, which what Brad Pitt was looking for, the cure, it was to save humanity. So another thing that God does is as you do life his way, you begin to realize that you want to share the cure to the problem with the people that you love and the people that you know. With your friends, with your family, and you want to look for opportunities to do that. Part of that is you want to share 
you know, I, I was really following this system of just devouring and this system of getting what I want and these values. And I just wasn't having the relationships that I thought I was going to have. And life wasn't turning out. And there was a disillusionment I was experiencing. And then somebody told me about the cure to this problem, this cure to the sin and the things that I've done. And it was in Jesus Christ. And you tell people about your experience with him. As we have the cure, there are people that are dying that have no idea that that is the answer that they've been looking for. So we have great opportunity to share the cure with the people around us. And so I want to encourage you as I close the message, as the band comes up, we're going to walk through some next steps. But there's two big ones that I want you to think about. If, if you've been trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Christ and you experience part of the problem and the pain and just this disillusionment, I want to encourage you. Consider today that Jesus Christ is the answer that you've been looking for. Consider that. Investigate it if you're not sure. Talk to some people here at Church in the Valley that have made that decision and just ask them, well, has that made a difference in your life, really? Ask that question. Doesn't mean you're signing on anything, doesn't mean you're having that lifetime membership card, but it means that, that you're going to just check out. Is this true? Is this real? Does Jesus really do this? Or you may be in the second where, you know, you, you've discovered the cure. You have actually committed your life to follow Jesus Christ as a boss. There's a part in just certain areas where you've kind of just, you, know, you don't really want to follow his ways in certain things, whether it's related to your work or a key relationship, even your approach to church in the valley where you just, you, you're trying to figure out things your own way. So it's a good opportunity. Is there any areas where we're kind of in that devouring zombie-like state in our life where we're not really letting God in? So if there's any areas, you know what that is, I don't know what that is, ask God for help. Pinpoint that. And so those are two big steps that we, we each could take today. There's some other next step on your connection card. If you can pull that out. As soon as I'm done, we're going to receive our offering and you can drop that completed connection card in there. And each week we take next steps. And these next steps are important because a lot of times we're people that we can experience ideas and thoughts. But if you're like me, it's actually helpful to think, well, how would that look this next week? What's something that I could actually do based on what I've learned or what I know? And so these are some suggestions. You may have some others. You can write those on the connection card as well. If you've committed your life to Christ as the boss of your life, this first one, thank God for making us alive in Christ. Just thank him today. As you look at where you've been, what you've experienced, thank him for how he has transformed your life. Give him honor for that. Second is uh, take a specific step to share the cure with someone this week. If there's someone in your life that you can share, whether that's to identify with Christ, let them know that you are a Christ follower. Be honest with that. Uh, share your testimony, which is you want to just share the story of the difference that God has made in your life. Uh, it could be you want to invite somebody to church. You say, hey, we're going to be talking about movies at church. Would you like to come by? You never know. Mention movies, mention church. People may want to come. So maybe you invite them. Or to share the gospel, to share this idea of what sin and what it's done. 
And as you learn to share the gospel and figure out, well, how do I communicate what people need to do to experience the cure? Uh, We can help you with that, but maybe that's a step you need to take with somebody that knows you're a Christian, knows the difference it makes. Maybe it's time that you share how they can experience the cure as well. Third step, uh, if you've never committed your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. By you checking for the first time and deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord, that indicates to us that you're ready to turn from going your own way to going God's way. You may not know exactly what that looks like. By you checking that, that signifies to us that you'd like more information. You want to make that decision. You maybe want to explore it some more. You're not exactly sure all that it means, but you're interested in that. As you check that, uh, we want to walk you through what that decision looks like. And so you may want to do that today. And then the last two are meetups. And these are just, you're not exactly sure what we're talking about here. You're not exactly sure who these people are, but you know what? I'm up for hanging out with them. So you could put that as well. So you could choose any one of those. You could write your own. Uh, you don't have to take one as well. And so these are just some ways that you can uh, apply what we've talked about this week. Uh, also, if you've not yet filled out the rest of the connection card, you can do that. As soon as I'm done praying, we're going to sing another song. The offering is going to come by and you can drop that in there. So let's pray together. God, it, it really is amazing that despite what we've done and what we deserve, that you've actually given us hope that we couldn't come up with ourselves. We couldn't come up with a solution to the problem of sin. And so I I just thank you, God, for being a masterful God who has this all-powerful, all-knowing way of just designing the world. And even when we've messed up, a way for us to come back to you. And I just want to thank you for that and ask God that if there's any of us that are just not sure of what to do, that you'll give us a sense of the next step. And anyone that's just really just hurting or experiencing just this pain of the life their own way, God, that that you'll draw them to yourself, that you'll allow them to see that in you is hope and in you is the cure. And so we thank you for your presence, the fact that you are who you say you are. And we welcome you here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.